All right, it's been a wonderful morning just worshiping the Lord. That was great and praying together. And uh, as we come to the word this morning, we've been going through 1 Peter and we've persevered through 1 Peter chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Last year served us wonderfully the last time preaching on chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look at chapter 5 this morning. This is our last, last. Uh, session of First Peter chapter uh, First Peter. So, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter five, just to remind us in chapter four, Peter reminds the people he's writing to about five things, and he talks to them about holy living. You know that we need to live holy lives. And then he talks about serious praying in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. You know, as we read the news today, and as we see YouTube, people say, is the end of the world coming? Is this the prophecies that are being fulfilled? And uh, the world is coming to an end. And Peter is saying 2,000 years ago, the end of all things is near. So what should we do? Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Uh, A third uh, injunction to us in in chapter 4, verse 8, is to continue continual loving, to grow in loving one another and loving people in the world. Chapter 4, verse 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. And along with loving, one part of loving is this. It says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. All right? And then uh, he talks about the fourth thing he, he exhorts them to is to faithful serving. Chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. He says, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully. And he talks about the different gifts and serving. And then he also speaks about suffering. Okay, now, you know, we, we love to hear about healing, salvation, loving one another. But in the Bible, the other side of it is there is a lot about suffering. Turn to your neighbor and say, suffering. Suffering. Okay. Now, you know, First Peter is a small book, just five chapters. But it's got more about suffering than any other book in the Bible. Isn't that amazing? The word suffering is mentioned so many times in 1 Peter. And and we look at that, uh, you know, uh, in in more detail as we go through 1 Peter chapter 5. But just to let you know the context of how they are living. Peter is writing at the time Emperor Nero is in power. Emperor Nero hated the Christians and he persecuted them fiercely. And so, so uh, Peter is writing to these Christians who are being persecuted. And, and his exhortation to them that even though there is suffering, but the good news is there is hope for us in glory. Yeah, there's a great glorious end awaiting us that this suffering, which Peter later on in the chapter says, although you have to suffer for a little while, which may be 80 years or 50 years or whatever it is, he says, but then... Wow, he will restore you, and there's great glory ahead, all right? So, so let's, let's come to the Lord this morning as, we, uh, as I go through these verses. I'm going to read them quickly. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings. Christ suffered. And one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. So remember this. There's suffering for the Christian, but there is glory. And they, you can't compare the two. The suffering is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those who entrust it to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And then verse 5, he goes on. So in the first part, he's addressing the leaders in the church, the elders. Then he goes on to address the young men, young men and women. In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All right? And then he speaks to the whole church. He says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then he tells us about our enemy. Verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, sometimes when we suffer, we think, I'm the only one suffering. But really, we need to realize that if you're a Christian, you're a target for the enemy. And that not only you, but other believers throughout the world are suffering just as you are. And some are suffering even worse. Uh, You know... For example, this week I saw a YouTube video of a Palestinian Christian whose house had been bombed. And he's saying, hey, we are Christians, what's happening? And it it came saying, oh Lord, what's happening? You know, we don't understand it. Okay, verse 10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, and I'll read the rest later on, but let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and eternal, Lord. Thank you that your word guides us and shows us how we should live, how to interpret the times. Lord, I pray that as I proclaim your word this morning, your grace, your anointing, your clarity would be upon me, Lord. I pray for each one of us to receive the word in our hearts, to mix it with faith so it would bear much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so let's look at uh, chapter five, verse one. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. Who's writing this? This is the apostle Peter. He was the great apostle. He was the one, you know, After Jesus, Peter is most mentioned in the Gospels. He's number two. Can you imagine, you know, wouldn't you like your name to be there in the Bible? (laughs) You know, and and really, you have some of the disciples, their names are mentioned maybe once or twice. 
But Peter's name is mentioned most often in all the four Gospels. He's second to Jesus. That's it. Peter was a great apostle. Okay? And yet, when he's writing this letter, he doesn't speak as the great apostle to the, to the Jews. He's writing, he says, to the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. He's speaking to the, to the leaders here at the same level. And he says this, uh, you know, he says, a witness of Christ's sufferings. Now think about that. Peter had seen Jesus being arrested, being flogged, being taken to the cross. And he had witnessed Jesus' suffering. In fact, he had caused some suffering to Jesus. Do you know how? He denied him three times. Wow. And so Peter says, listen, I'm a witness to what Jesus suffered. And he says, but listen, Jesus suffered, we will suffer, but not only will we suffer, but the more important thing is we will share in his glory when his glory will be revealed. So keep this in mind, you know, that although we may have had to, we may have had to, we may have to suffer a little bit, there is great glory in store for us. Just keep that in mind. Whenever you face any kind of suffering, you know, Paul says, you know, our light and momentary troubles are nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Yes. All right. So what's Peter doing here? So he, he is not asserting his authority. He's identifying with the elders. And I'm going to speak a little bit about the word elders here. Now, elders can mean two things. It can mean older people, as in elders. Again, that's how it was used in, in the Old Testament. But really here... It's used as the leaders of God's church, the elders. And there are three words that are used there. And as we read through, we'll find them. He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. And then in verse 2, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. So he's speaking to the leaders and he's saying, hey, leaders, this is what you need to do. Shepherd God's flock. We'll look at what that means. And then he gives them some in, uh, instructions. Serving as overseers, that's another word, overseers. Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Okay? So let's just talk about these three words first. So there is, you have elders, you have overseers, and you have shepherds. Three things. And, and, and they refer to the same person, but different roles. Okay? So overseers are looking over, that's what, you know, looking over something and seeing everything. That's, that's the role of an overseer. Okay. Shepherd, now, you know, as uh, was that Michelle was speaking about cattle today. We are not really familiar with cattle and sheep. We may see them occasionally. You know, but, but, the, but the Israelites at that time and the people of that time were very familiar with flocks of sheep and cattle and farming. And so uh, Peter uses illustrations and analogies to, that, that, they're very, that, that is uh, common knowledge to them. And he says, be shepherds of God's flock. Okay? So as a leader, we are called to shepherd or care for God's flock. The church, another word for the church is flock or sheep. And Jesus said that. He says, you know, my sheep. Okay? So what is the role of the overseer? What is the role of the shepherd or the elder? This is the role. You know, in John chapter 21, when Peter comes there 
at the lake and he uh, reinstates Peter. You remember that? He meets, he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And so Peter says this. He says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. And, and so we need to remember a couple of things here. Number one, the church or the flock belongs to God. It's God's flock. Okay, it's not Collins Church or Sundar's Church or anything like that. It is God's church, God's people. All right. Okay. And, and, and the pastors and the leaders and the overseers are the under shepherds. We are serving on behalf of the good shepherd and the great shepherd. Who's that? Jesus. He's the chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Okay? And so as we serve God's people, we've got to keep that in mind. Hey, I'm just an, I'm an under shepherd. I've been given responsibility for this, this flock, these people. They are not my people. They are Jesus' people. Amen. So that's a good thing. Because sometimes leaders can become very possessive and controlling of people. Okay? And we need to realize who we are doing. Okay, let's go on. Then he says to them, uh, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing. The second thing is, to, as leaders, if you're called to be a leader, if you've got the gift of leadership, okay, then you've got to be able to say, I, I want to serve, not under compulsion. Uh, the similar verse is used in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, where uh, Paul says, Each one should give what he has decided to give in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And here, Peter says, Lead the flock, not under compulsion, okay, but as God wants you to. So, so here it is. Okay. Then he says, Lead humbly, verse 3 not lording it over those entrusted to you. And this is very important. You know, in the world, people show their power and authority by having people serve them. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah? You know, like you have, I remember uh, uh, when I was working many years ago for a company where the guy would come and... Uh, the boss would come and somebody would come and open the door. He would, they would even take his briefcase. He's walking to the office. He's carrying the briefcase. But somebody would come and take his briefcase and take it to the office. All right? Now, whatever. They're serving you that way. But generally what happens is, you know, when people are in power, they use that power to boss over people and lord over people. And, and, and Peter tells them this. He says, don't lord it over those who are entrusted to you. Okay? So for all of us who are aspiring to leadership and who are leading, yeah, this is the pattern for us. But perhaps Peter was remembering that time in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, you know, when James and John go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've got to do this one thing for us. Jesus says, what is it? They said, you know, when you come to your glory, we believe you're going to be king. Will you have one of us sit at your right hand and your left hand? You know? And uh, anyway, we won't get into the whole story. But then the other disciples heard of, it, heard of it and they were mad with James and John. They said, you beat us to it. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know. They said, we should be sitting, not you. And then Jesus got them all together and he said, listen to me. He says, the rulers of the world, they lorded over people. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, this is Mark 10, 40, 43, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus is very clear. He says, if you want to be great, you've got to wipe the chairs. Okay? If you want to lead people, wash their feet. And that is something that is, you know, we hold on to very strongly here at Word of Grace. It's great to have gifted people. But are you willing to do what Jesus did? He says, for even, Jesus was more gifted than all of us. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. All right. Now, we know this. We've spoken about it. But just a quick thing here. Do you have a servant's heart? Ask yourself that question. And here's a quick check. How do you know if you have a servant's heart? Simple. How do you react when someone treats you as a servant? <laughs> <laughs> All right? How do you react when you are not acknowledged, you are not appreciated, and the credit doesn't go to you? Yeah? That shows you whether you really have a servant heart or not. Okay. And then he says in verse 5, sorry, uh, not, not lording it over those. Okay, now just to say about the lording it, you know, what it does say is elders, pastors, do have authority over the flock. But that authority has to be used well. Okay, not bossing people out around, but, you know, like for example, a policeman who's controlling the traffic, doesn't he have authority? Yes. Yeah, he's, he's directing the traffic and the authority is for the good of the people. All right, so there is authority, but he says use that well. And then he says, but being examples to the flock. You know, and so one, that's another thing that we, again, at Word of Grace, highly value. That those who want to lead have got to lead by example. All right? And then that's very important. Okay. So there's so much here, but we, we, we'll move on. And then he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And there's a promise to elders and pastors and shepherds and leaders that says, when Jesus returns, there's a special reward for you. Okay, a crown of glory. Now, in the Bible, there are different kinds of crowns mentioned for all believers. Okay, we, we don't have time to get into them, but you know, if you're interested, you can look it up. Crowns of righteousness, life, incorruptible crown, crown of, crown of glory, crown of rejoicing. Okay? Now, before we start competing for how many crowns can you put on your head, just to realize that in, uh, in, in Revelation chapter 4, all those who received the crowns, they laid at the feet of Jesus. All right? So let's be clear about that. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. And then in... Uh, in, in verse 5, Peter is addressing the young men. But it's, it's, it's young men, young women, and this is what he says. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. 
Okay? Now, something, you know, the thing about youth is, I was there, I was there several years ago, <laughs> is that youth and immaturity often leads us to a self-inflated view. We think we know everything, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, just talk to your younger children. They know everything. <laughs> Okay, this is a general remark not directed to anybody in particular <laughs> in my family, you know, and, uh, and, and, uh, and really, they don't know what they don't know. Isn't that true? That's what it is. Okay, and, and there is something called life experience, which is a great teacher. As my wife and I used to tell our kids, you know, between us, we've got a hundred years of experience. <laughs> All right, so, 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 so what, so what uh, Peter is saying is, hey, young people, listen, listen to the older people, okay, and uh, get something from them. Okay, then it says, and then moves on, he moves on to everybody. Okay, turn to one another and say, everybody, it's all for all of us, yeah, okay. So it says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility to one another. This is very important, because... Why should we clothe ourselves with humility? Well, let's look at this for the first thing. First of all, he uses the phrase, clothe yourselves. I'm so glad that all of us clothed ourselves with something today and came here. Isn't that, aren't you glad? Yes, yes. yes. All right, we do that. We take great, uh, great care, you know, you know, what should I wear? Husbands, if your wife asks you, does this look good on me? You know what to say. <laughs> All right? <laughs> you know, start brushing your teeth. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so, so we clothe ourselves with something. And, and, and really, what, what, Paul is, uh, what Peter is saying here, you know, in a previous chapter, he spoke about women not adorning themselves with gold and fine clothes and this thing. And he said, but this is what you need to, we, not just the women, everybody needs to clothe ourselves with is humility. Yeah. Okay? He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Why? Because of this. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And there is something about walking and speaking and living in humility that God loves. God loves it. And, and he responds to it in amazing ways. Okay? Do you know who was the most wicked, evil person who lived on the earth? Ahab. Ahab. And God said, I'm going to destroy him. I'm going to destroy him. And you know what Ahab did? He put on sackcloth. He fasted and he went in repentance and God says, okay, I, I, I'll bring the destruction in his son's time, not in his, his time. If God could respond to the humility of the most evil, wicked man on earth, how will he respond to our humility? Wow. Okay? And, and so what we've got to do is, humility is something we've got to put on. You know? And we've got to actually be intentional about it. So in our interactions with people, in our, in our uh, conversation with people. We've got to be intentional about saying, how can I treat this person with great respect and respond with humility? Okay? And, uh, you know, it's easier 
to be humble with people who have authority and power, isn't it? Yeah? But it's challenging. I find it challenging to be humble with security guards who ask you, where are you going? <laughs> What's your business? <laughs> What's your thing? <laughs> and I give them all kinds of answers, which is un not humble, you know, but, but really, I don't know which area you're being tested in, but we've got to learn to be humble in how we answer people, how we resp respond to them, how to talk to them, and, uh, and with one another. And, and, and here, Peter is saying, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And our, so as we humble ourselves, even under injustice and challenges and persecution, God says in due time, we will be lifted up. Okay, let's move on to, to verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Are you anxious about something? Are you troubled about a situation? You know, there are always situations that trouble us and cause us anxiety. Yeah? And, and what, what, what Peter is saying is, listen, whatever anxiety you have, and I was feeling that through the worship this morning, this verse, cast it upon Jesus. And, and the cast is not laying your burdens down, it's actually throwing them down, okay? And so this, this morning, if there's anybody burdened by something, take it and throw it yes. at the feet of Jesus. Because he says, because he cares for you. You know, in, 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 in uh, Greek mythology and Roman mythology in, in those days and even today, you have so-called gods, but they don't love the people. Okay, you've got to appease them in order for them to be benevolent towards you. How different is the God of the Bible? He says, cast your cares upon him, cast your anxiety upon him because he loves you, he cares for you. Wow, isn't that good news? That no matter what you're going through, you may be going through a difficult time, Jesus loves you and cares for you in that situation. All right, let's move on. Verse 8, and now we come to our enemy. Be self-controlled and alert. Why? In the previous chapter, he spoke about be sober, be self-controlled so that you can pray. But here he says, be self-controlled and alert because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, as Christians, we've got to remember that the moment you put your faith in Jesus, God became your father, but the devil became your lifelong enemy. And, and through the scripture, very quickly going through it is, there are different names given to the devil. There's Satan, the tempter, the wicked one, the accuser of the brothers, the prince of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the dragon, the serpent, Lucifer, and here in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, talks about it as a roaring lion. In Ezekiel 28 verse 17, we are told about this being that was in heaven, that was beautiful and everything, but because of his pride, he was thrown down, hurled to the earth. <coughs> okay? 
And, uh, and so the devil and his demons are on this earth. And they are there for a short time. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Do not be aware of Satan's schemes. And Satan is out to destroy your faith to bring... The, Jesus says, the, the, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to bring division in your marriage, in your church, in your situation. That is the work of the devil. And not only that, he wants to cause fear and discouragement and hopelessness in your life. And, and so that's why Peter says, resist him standing firm in the faith. That's the key thing. We resist him, but how do we resist him? We stand firm in the faith. Remember Job. Satan came to destroy him. Killed his 10 sons and daughters. Killed, this took away all his wealth. And what did Job do? He stood firm in the faith. He says, even though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Okay? And, and really, what is happening is this. You know, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, these trials have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So when you're facing a crisis, when you're facing a difficult situation, think about it this way, it's a test. Your faith is being tested. Will you trust God and believe in God, or will you give in to the lies of the enemy? Satan wanted Job to curse God and die, just like his wife told him, curse God and die. But Job said, no. Okay? Empty, I came from the womb, and whatever. You, you remember Job's words. All right? And so that's what we are called to do. So what are we called to do? Be self-controlled and alert. That's one thing. Okay? Be so Another version says be sober. And we've got to be of the right mind so that we are able to recognize the devil's schemes. Okay? And alert. Resist him is, of course... Standing against the temptation to retaliate, to take revenge, to speak, you know, and to, to come down to their level or somebody else, but to stand firm in the faith, believing God is in this thing. And then he reminds us, he says, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. I tell you, there are Christians in other parts of the world that cannot meet as freely as we are meeting this morning. Yeah. There are Christians in our nation who can't meet as freely as we are meeting this morning. Yeah. All right? So there is suffering. Let's not sugarcoat that. But, but, we need to keep our eyes not on the suffering, but on the glory. Yeah. Because he says, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. And so our hope is this. You know, as, as somebody said this, he says, Satan goes about like a roaring lion. But we have a greater lion, the lion of Judah, who is fighting for us. Hallelujah. Woo. 
Now, we've got to be alert, self-control, resist the devil. And what does that mean? What does that look like? That means, you know, we're looking out. Is this thing that has been said or done causing division in my marriage? What is, wow. what is stopping the unity in our marriage? What is stopping, what is causing problems in our family? What is causing ch- divisions in the church between people? You know, and uh, all kinds of thoughts can go into our minds. You know, I walked in this morning, you know, Andrew welcomed everybody. He didn't welcome me. <laughs> all right. Or I walked in there and nobody greeted me or, or something. You know, Satan will put all kinds of things in our minds to cause offense. And we've got to say, I'm not going to take offense. Okay. I'm going to respond differently. All right, let's, uh, let's go on. So just looking at so far what we've covered, you know, Peter, the great apostle, is writing to these persecuted Christians. He addresses the leaders of the church, the elders, the shepherds, the overseers. He addresses the young people and he addresses all the other people as well. And he tells them, listen, you know, this is how you need to be. Clothe yourselves with humility. Be intentional about it. Okay? How can you walk humbly before the Lord and before people? And he says, when we do that, Jesus will come. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He will lift you up in due time. How he will do it is beyond us, but he has all power to do it. And then cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And then he tells us about the devil you've got to be watch out for, okay, who's out to kill, steal, and destroy, and to take away our faith. But we've got to hold on to that. You know? Now, some people preach this thing that if you believe in Jesus and have faith, nothing bad will happen to you. Is that in the Bible? Is that in the Bible? No. Jesus was the most righteous of all. He was beaten and killed. All right? The same thing happened to all the apostles. You think Paul didn't have faith? Yeah? Peter didn't have faith. They did amazing miracles. All kinds of things. But they suffered and they died. Now, we don't pray for suffering. Please don't pray for suffering. (laughs) Okay? We don't want suffering. Yeah? But when it happens... We entrust, how do we respond to suffering? He says, here, uh, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. As we face suffering, we remind ourselves of where we will be. I tell you, a hundred years from now, or even less than that for most of us, (laughs) you know, listen, we will be rejoicing in the presence of God. Those who have power today, where will they be? That's the question. Okay, so it's all a matter of perspective. And, and, and what we've got to do is keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep, our, you know, Stephen, when he was being stoned, yeah? Imagine he was being stoned. He says, Father, forgive them. And he could see Jesus and he was looking forward to glory. 
And we've got to have the same perspective that no matter what we are suffering, injustices on earth, we say, Lord, we look to you. Okay, let's wind it up, the last three verses. Three, two, three, three words. Final greetings. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. So just to say that, you know, Peter himself didn't pen the letter. He had a writer, and that is Silas. And Silas was also, no, it was mentioned elsewhere in the New Testament. Okay, and it's nice to know that Peter says, I've written to you briefly. It's only a five chapter long letter. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, you couldn't just send short messages like in WhatsApp today. So you had somebody going physically from one place to the other. So you wanted to put it in, you know, long. Uh, the, the, le- the writer to the Hebrew says a similar thing. I've given you a short exhortation. Only 13 chapters. <laughs> okay. And then he says... Uh, Um, I've written to you briefly, stand fast in it. Hold on to the grace of God. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. What does that mean? She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. Now I looked it up, and this is what commentators have understood this to mean. The she represents the church. Okay? Because it's obviously believers, because it's chosen together with you. It's talking about believers. Babylon, but Peter was not in Babylon. Okay? Babylon is a nickname for Rome. Because Rome was full of the evil of Babylon. So he's saying that, so in a coded way, he's saying the church in Rome sends you greetings. Wow. All right? You know, it's like Andrew would say to Komal, you know. The, what is that? Some, what do you say about the cities? He says, you know, the, the cool city sends you greetings. <laughs> okay, so they understand. Cool, okay. And, uh, and so does my son Mark. And you remember Mark. You know, he wrote the gospel of Mark. Okay, and he was just as Paul had Timothy. Peter had Mark. And, and so the book of the gospel of Mark is written around material from Peter. And here we see the relationship between Peter and Mark. All right, my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all who are in Christ Jesus. All right. Let's come to the Lord in prayer this morning. Okay, and... Uh, just think about the different things. Number one is, just close your eyes as we just look at these things. You know, maybe you have the gift of leadership. And if you do have the gift of leadership, whatever gift you have, you know, you've got to be able to develop it and deploy it and say, Lord, I want to, I, I, I thank you for this gift. I would like to use it. Okay? God wants us to be humble and, and examine your life and say, Lord, Have I been humble with my husband or my wife or my children or my neighbors or people in the church or my colleagues at work? And and look at ways in which you can say, Lord, help me to be humble like you, Lord Jesus. Okay, Jesus was so humble. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. There was not a word from his mouth. Let's remember to clothe ourselves with humility. Let's remember that we have an enemy. Okay, we have an enemy. 
who wants to destroy us. And to be alert and to say, I'm going to focus on what promotes unity and love and humility and not give in to the devil's schemes. Okay? Talks about submission. You know? God, in his divine economy of things, has placed leaders in the church and the flock in the church. And we, as we serve as under shepherds, yeah, there's a call to submit to your leaders and say, am I being submitted, submissive? And then finally, to think about suffering, that God will give us the grace to endure any suffering. Yeah? And, uh, and as we humble ourselves, God will lift us up. And let's remember that the Lion of Judah watches over us yes. and that we have a great future, no matter what happens on this earth. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning, Lord. Lord, you are the good shepherd. You are the great shepherd, Lord. Thank you for the honor I have of being an under-shepherd and leading your flock. Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would embrace this message, that we would grow in humility, in love, in in being submitted, in loving one another, in serving one another, and in just enduring hardship. But Lord, we look forward to you lifting us up in due time. We look forward as we cast all our anxiety upon you because you care for us, Lord. Thank you. Lord, you know each individual situation, Lord, that you would be with us in our situations. May your grace be upon us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. God bless you and amen. 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 Amen.